I think it's both exciting and challenging to be leading an organization in a time like this. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders podcast, the show that brings you examples of great leadership from around the world to make inspired leadership ubiquitous. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky, and today we're honing in on the strategic planning process. Many of our loyal subscribers are going to remember some great past episodes where we talked about millennials, like episode six, Next Generation Leaders with Dr. Jake Gano. Episode 11, Leadership Mindset with Connor LaRock. Episode 17, Millennial Leadership with Megan Reed. Or Episode 66, Generational Change with Dr. David Coletto. Well, one of the things that all of these shows have in common is where we highlighted the fact that the incoming wave of millennials is something that no organizational leader should take for granted. Millennials won't work for an organization that doesn't have a well-defined and compelling purpose. If a job-hunting millennial looks at a website for your company and your vision, values, and mission are not well displayed, they'll simply skip over your company and move on to the next one. You won't even notice that your competitors are attracting all the bright new talent, ideas, and innovations that'll soon lead to a shift in market dominance. Well, how do you avoid this dire outcome? You plan well and you implement well. Organizations with good strategic plans are far more effective than their competitors. The only thing worse than an organization with no strat plan is an organization that thinks they have a great strat plan, but their plan isn't strategic and it isn't a plan at all. Well, today I'm happy to introduce you to a true professional who really gets this. Mark Sutcliffe is an entrepreneur, a professional broadcaster, and an expert on strategic planning. Mark helps his clients to overcome the challenges of running a business and focus on the long-term strategies that drive revenues and profits. Mark Sutcliffe, welcome to Inspiring Leaders. Hi, Terry. It's great to be with you. Well, it's great to have you here. You and I had quite a conversation not long ago about strategic planning, and I have to admit, I was a little bit surprised about all of the work that you've been doing in this area over the last few years. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's great working with other businesses. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 18 years old. Well, that's a long time ago now. It's kind of funny because my family all comes from a public sector background. It's kind of unusual that I ended up being someone who was attracted to entrepreneurship and taking risks. I've learned a few things over the years. Now to be in a position where I can help other businesses and the next generation of leaders in our community is uh, really rewarding and it's a lot of fun. Well, it kind of makes me believe in reincarnation. You must have been an entrepreneur in a previous life. (laughs) Something like that, yeah. And I really want to pick your brain on this topic of strategic planning. But first, I want to ask you this question. Who or what inspires you? Well, lots of different people, Terry. I'm inspired, first of all, by my kids because I've learned so much from watching them grow up. I have a stepdaughter who's 19 and a son who's nine and a daughter who's seven. They're very inspiring to me. They don't just inspire me to work hard to support them. You see so much possibility through their eyes. That's first and foremost for me. And then, you know, there are so many great local business people that we have in our community. And then, of course, as you know, Terry, I'm also involved in the running community. 
There are lots of people who have inspired me from Terry Fox to everyday runners who participate in Ottawa Race Weekend and other events in our community. And I actually see a lot of parallels between running and running a business. And I think that does apply to strategic planning as well. You don't go out and run a 10K race or a half marathon or a marathon without having a plan for what it is you're trying to achieve and how you're going to achieve it and how you're going to get to that start line in a position where you can be successful. So I see a lot of parallels there. Well, you just built a perfect segue into our topic for today's strategic planning. I'd love it if you can give us some background on how you came to focus on this specific piece of organizational success. Is this something that you kept seeing with entrepreneurs and businesses in your travels? When did this issue start coming to light for you? And what is it that you're seeing and doing these days to help organizations get on top of it all in a meaningful way? It started from some of the businesses that I was directly involved in. I've been a CEO and a business owner for many years. I've always had a bit of a default towards planning, just the way I'm made. My wife and I joke all the time about how everything, even things we do as a family, I have to start by doing a plan. There's always a spreadsheet that's associated with it as well, where we're keeping track of things. That applies to, to everything from what I eat to my running to personal goals, travel, all of those kinds of things. So I got to ask you, how does she deal with all of this? Are you one of those people that's planning everything or is she part of this planning? My wife is a bit of a planner too. She's highly organized, but I'm the guy with the spreadsheet. (laughs) If it's not in an Excel spreadsheet, then it's not important to me. Right. So this is something that you've had in your blood for a long time. Yeah. You started seeing this with a few organizations that you were working with. When did it start to become the idea of a business wrapped around this concept of helping others with it? I think what I discovered along the way is companies go through natural cycles, and I certainly experienced this. I talked to a number of other businesses that experienced it as well. When Pat Whalen and I launched our business, Sutcliffe and Whalen, we talked to a number of different business owners and asked them what challenges they were facing. There seemed to be a fairly consistent theme among a certain group of businesses that were of a certain size. And what we observed, it's not universal this way, But if there was a pattern, it was around companies that were maybe four to seven years in age that had been started by a CEO or a founder who had great vision, very entrepreneurial, had gotten the business to a certain level, was very successful, had grown it to maybe a million or two million or three million in revenue, and then had kind of hit a bit of a wall. In part, that was because they were spending so much time running their business that they weren't spending a lot of time working on the business and planning for the future and figuring out where they were going to go next. So they were victims of their own success in a way that they were servicing so many clients and so caught up in day-to-day operations that they didn't have time to lift their heads above that and do the long-term thing. As Pat often puts it, they were working in their business, not on their business. Yeah. And so... What we tried to bring to the table was to lift them out of that and help them figure out where they would go next and then help them figure out how to get there. That's very challenging because we've all been through the experience, and I'm sure you have, Terry, and some of your clients have as well, where you have the team retreat or you go off to a conference where you come back really rejuvenated and you feel like I've got all these great ideas I want to apply to my business. And then within a week, You're just sucked back into the abyss of day-to-day operations, and you never get back to that long-term to-do list that you created when you stepped out of things for a little while. I think the biggest challenge for businesses 
how do you prioritize that long-term to-do list so that you're not always replacing the important with the urgent and you find time for both? Yeah, the inertia of reactivity is very powerful, especially when everything that you're behind on, they're all things that need to be done and they're all important things in your mind. Yeah. Until you can take that step back or you've got that independent counsel to start asking some pretty tough questions about where are things in the larger scale? Where are things from a higher perspective? Yeah. And if I'm hearing you right, that's kind of what you're bringing to the table as you're bringing that independent perspective that's helping people put things into perspective for themselves. And I think there's another element to it as well, Terry. When you are confronted with a long to-do list and there's a bunch of activities on there that are urgent and operational and a bunch of other things that are important but not urgent and are longer-term strategic activities, most of the operational things involve other people. Because of that, you default to them because you don't want to be the bottleneck. You don't want to hold up other people's work. The long-term strategic stuff, you're only accountable if you're the CEO of the company you're really only accountable to yourself or maybe your board if you have one on that longer term stuff. So it's a lot easier to kind of punish yourself and not do the things that you want to do so that you feel like, okay, I'm doing this because this involves my colleague or my team member or whatever. So I'm going to get that done for them and unleash them to keep going. And I'll sacrifice the stuff that I really want to be working on. Interesting. And that's not ideal, obviously. What we do is not just remind people of the importance of those other tasks, those long-term strategic tasks, but we introduce a level of accountability because we're working with them on those things and we're meeting with them every couple of weeks. So if they're not moving them forward, there is some accountability there. They're not just accountable to themselves. They're accountable to us as we get together every couple of weeks and ask them, where have you gotten to on these priorities? This makes a lot of sense and it's ringing a lot of bells for me. I talk to a lot of leaders that are in this position as well. One thing I've noticed as a trend with a lot of these leaders is that they're so busy working on this stuff that they're not working on bringing other people up in their skill and competency level. They're not developing others so that those other people can take on more tasks and then they can start working on their business rather than in it as you described. Are you finding the same thing, Mark? Absolutely. And I think there's another challenge that typical business that I was describing where we saw a pattern Typically, you've still got the CEO running so many aspects of the operations, and they're in this kind of no man's land of wondering, okay, should I hire a couple of people to run operations for me and start to create that extra layer of management and let go a little bit myself? Or should I wait until I have more revenue to be able to do that? Because they're kind of trapped in the middle of being not big enough that they can afford that extra layer of management but not small enough that they have the time to do everything themselves. So you sort of have to figure out a way out of that and grow your revenue at the same time as you're bringing on board some people who can support you so that you're able to focus on the bigger stuff, the strategic stuff. You're bringing people onto the team or backfilling from within to help you execute operationally. And that's where I think a lot of CEOs and founders get stuck is that they're reluctant to bite the bullet and invest in a chief operating officer or a, maybe a VP in one area of the business. But that means that they're the person who is being counted on day in and day out to do operational stuff. I think about the old saying that when you start a business, and you're uh, launching a company, it's like jumping into the deep end without a life raft or uh, a life vest. And I think that what you're describing right now, it's almost like jumping into yet another deep end without a life vest. Yeah. 
Because really, they're taking a leap of faith that the organization is going to support it, that the opportunities will be there, and that that extra level of leadership is going to be valuable to the organization overall. It's almost like another entrepreneurial leap, exactly as you describe it. It's kind of like a phase two entrepreneurial approach. And I think it can be a little bit scary, no question, but it can also be quite exciting and liberating just as the initial leap was. There's an energy that comes from that because most people who get into business love that entrepreneurial side of it. They love the creativity. They love the strategic thing. And in the early days of their business, they have lots of time for it because they're not servicing a lot of clients. They have time to be strategic. Then all of a sudden, they get bogged down in servicing a growing list of clients, which is a nice problem to have. Your revenues are growing. You're building your business. You're attracting more clients. But you're spending less time on the stuff you really love doing, which is building your business and growing it and thinking big. And where am I going to take this next? It's both frightening and liberating at the same time. You go to that phase two of entrepreneurialism and take your business to the next level. I can imagine that you've had a lot of success and that some of your clients have actually met with a lot of success. I'm wondering, do you have any examples of where an organization was really stuck? They're hitting their head against that brick wall. They introduce you into their organization, and all of a sudden, they're seeing things that they hadn't seen before. They're doing things that they hadn't pushed themselves into before. Any examples coming to mind at all, Mark? Yeah, we've worked with a couple of different organizations in the past year where they were exactly as I described. Started by one person, grown to a certain level, and then the business is growing and the business is doing well, but the CEO is sort of spinning his or her wheels at that point and very bogged down in operations and always sort of feeling like I never have time to do the stuff I really want to be doing to grow my business. To get back to our topic, strategic planning, it starts with that. It starts with identifying what are some realistic goals for this business for the next one to three years? What's it going to take to get there? What's the plan that is going to allow us to do that? What are some of the key milestones on that plan where we can check in and measure that we're on the right track? And then as I start executing on this plan, how do I then free up my time to do some of that? And so you've got your objectives and you've got the resources that it's going to take to get there. You know, the amazing thing is that once you put it all down on paper and you figure it out, it feels a lot more achievable right away. Right. Because it's realistic, it's laid out, it's itemized, and then all you have to do is follow the plan. And again, I bring this back to running, one of my favorite topics. If you've never run a marathon before and you just go out and start running, it sounds incredibly daunting. Before you've done it, it's going to be a daunting thing. But if somebody works with you, a coach or somebody who just knows a little more about it, and has done it before, and they lay out the plan for you and they say, look, trust me, if you do these training runs and you do them according to this schedule and you follow this plan, you will get to the start line of this marathon and you'll be able to complete the marathon. I think for a business person, it's the same kind of thing. You've got your plan, you follow the plan, you check in regularly to make sure you're on track, and then you know that you will get to the finish line. I'm glad that you brought up running and especially marathons, because I know that a lot of folks that I'm familiar with that have run marathons, there are two problems. One is, like you said, sort of seeing all of the path of when do I start getting to this point and how do I get myself to that point? But another problem that I'm seeing with them is knowing when to take a break. Mm -hmm. And if we can bridge that example of running marathons over to business, 
We've got lots of people who have great business ideas. They're gung-ho. They want to go forward. They hire great people that are enthusiastic, and everybody starts pushing themselves and working 16-hour days. The balance starts to erode a little bit. Does that come into things for you? Do you get people taking breaks? You know, it's interesting you put it that way. I think pacing is really important. Let's call it that. Right. And you can talk about that in the context of your marathon training or even during the race itself. You don't want to be running at full speed in the first five kilometers of a marathon because then you'll be walking in the final five kilometers or more and more. Or lying down and waiting for the paramedics. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And some of us, especially those of us who are drawn to entrepreneurship, business leadership, we feed off the energy of being busy and always doing things and keeping all the plates spinning and running from one thing to another. We sort of like that and we're attracted to it. But you do have to pace yourself and you do have to be operating smart and effectively, not just fervently and passionately. And I do see patterns with some people of they get their energy and they get their sort of currency with everybody around them, with their stakeholders and the people they talk to about just being busy all the time, as opposed to being focused and smart and strategic. You don't necessarily have to work 100 hours a week to run a successful business if you are smart and strategic about how you spend your time. And you'll be better at it if you're not spending 100 hours a week doing it, for sure. In the coaching work that I do with people, I've seen this a few times. I'll work with a few clients that are just so enthusiastic and so ambitious that any ideas that come up during a coaching conversation are implemented immediately. And then they're back at me saying, okay, what else can we do? What else can we do? And sometimes it's a matter of holding people back and saying, you've got to pace yourself because you're going to burn out if you don't. You know, we have a listenership that goes really all around the globe at this point. We've got a great audience in the U.S. We've got a great audience in Europe and overseas as well. And I think if some of those people are picking up some good tips from you, I want them to be able to reach out and find you. So Sutcliffe and Whalen. That's the organization, and you guys are at SutcliffeWayland.com, is that right? That's right, yeah, SutcliffeWayland.com. I'm going to have that in the show notes. I've already picked off links to you on LinkedIn and Twitter. I've got your email on there as well. Is there anything else that we need getting in touch with you and contacting? No, that should do it. If you've got uh, my email and the website there, that's great. I also have a personal website at MarkSutcliffe.com, from which you can link to Sutcliffe Wayland as well. So uh, yeah, for sure. I've got two questions for you, Mark. You okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. Just to close things off, here's the first one. What are some of the biggest challenges that Mark Sutcliffe sees facing a lot of the leaders out there today? I think everything is changing so quickly right now. I think that everybody's horizons have shrunk. I think there is a real sense that the disruption is happening in a lot of very traditional industries, and we're not even sure when it's going to happen and how much it's going to affect us. I find when I talk to organizational leaders that that's one of their greatest challenges. And it comes down to everything from, you know, how far out do I plan? Because if I'm doing a five-year plan in two years, I could see technology completely revolutionize my industry. And even things like how much should I get invested in certain kinds of technology? I think of information technology that companies are investing in, and you need to make a big purchase to sort of support your team. And you're thinking, is this all going to be obsolete within a couple of years? So We live in a really interesting time in terms of how traditional industries are being uprooted and transformed and disrupted and replaced in some cases. I talk to my kids about this all the time. My son is nine, 
And I say to him, I don't even know if you're going to have a driver's license in your life because by the time you're 17 or 18 years old, people may not be driving cars anymore. (laughs) Maybe that's an ambitious timetable. Maybe it'll take 20 years instead of 10, but it's happening. This kind of change is happening. I think it's both exciting and challenging to be leading an organization in a time like this. Very wise observation, I would say, in your part. I'm thinking about my own coaching practice, and one of the things that we've done when I'm working with the client, rather than setting long-term goals, instead what we're talking about are trajectories so that we can stay flexible and sort of roll with the changes that do happen in a very intelligent way. So I take that to heart. Here's my second question for you, Mark. What does inspired leadership mean to you? Well, I think it means a couple of things to me. I think, first of all, I'm a big believer that success has to be defined in a number of different areas. So there's obviously the bottom line success of the business, and there's no point being in business if you're not going to be successful and you're not going to be either profitable or working your way towards profitability. And If it means you're investing for a couple of years, that's okay. So you should be successful in business, but success also needs to be defined in terms of the impact you're having on the people who work in your business and the impact that you're having on your community. And I think it's got to be all three of those things. The great thing about that is when you become the kind of business that cares about not just bottom line success, but the success of your employees and the success of your community, you will actually achieve bigger bottom line success. So It doesn't cost you anything. In fact, it yields a return to you. So to me, it's all about making the kinds of decisions that are required to ensure that you're not choosing between those things, but you're finding the ways to make all of them complementary to each other. Because sometimes we view business very much in a win-lose kind of zero-sum game mentality. And in fact, it doesn't have to be that way. It can very much be an upward spiral involving multiple stakeholders where everybody wins. A very holistic and I'd say a very healthy perspective. I'm glad that I asked you that question because I think that you've really nailed an answer that I think is going to be beneficial for people on multiple levels. So thank you, Mark, so much for joining us here today on Inspiring Leaders and for sharing your perspectives and ideas with all of us. Well, it's my pleasure, Terry. I've got lots of respect for you and what you do, and it's been great talking with you. Listen, a huge thanks as well to all of our listeners for your time and attention. It is all sincerely appreciated. Thanks for tuning in to Inspiring Leaders. We hope that you're back again shortly, so don't be shy to hit that big old subscribe button today. There we have it, another Inspiring Leader, and another Inspiring Leaders episode is in the can. Take care, everybody, and bye for now. 